Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. And welcome again. Um, how are you today? I'm quite well. I've had a few days working at home, which is a rarity these days. Um, still doing lots of bits and bobs, but yeah, it's been alright. What about you? We've just bought a house. I've had our mortgage accepted. Um... Yes, so we're going through the pipeline with all that, which is good. Um, Do you need so, me yeah, to come and redecorate be... it? or? Um, it depends what your redecoration will be like. Will, will it be like the time that we um, we had an ice drink and uh, we, <laughs> we came back to the kitchen and you were throwing up all over the place and slipping in your own sick? Would it be like that? <laughs> Uh, yes, I believe that's called the salmon, uh, where you can't get up and you keep falling all over the floor like a salmon out of water. I think that's what that is, which is a nice graphic image for our listeners. Yep. That's so yeah, I'll do, I'll do that in your new house. Will you appreciate that? or? Well, that's that's how you make it home. That's your. That's right. It's like when you're a cat and you wee on things. That, well, I'll do that as well for you if you want. Fantastic. That's what we need. That is what we need. Um, okay. On to today's game. Uh, we're looking at number 56 on our Metacritic list. Number 56 is the epic PS1 RPG Chrono Cross. Um, Chrono Cross has a score of 94. It was released on the PlayStation in the year 2000. Um, okay, as we usually do, uh, let me find my page. <laughs> um, yes, uh, do you have any history with this game and um what version did you play for this uh episode i played the 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 new version that came out a couple of months ago on switch the radical dreamers which is a bit of a remaster isn't it of the yeah. um of the of the original game so yeah i played it on switch but I, I don't have any history with um the chrono series i i wasn't sure if chrono cross and chrono trigger were the same game um but chrono cross being like a a remake of it or, or, or something but um no it isn't but chrono trigger is a game that i've been interested in playing for quite a few years but never have done um any listeners of the podcast know that i i quite like rpgs and particularly japanese rpgs um with final fantasy and you know we both enjoyed persona 5 royal so yeah i, I was going into this one with a bit of an open mind um but yeah, no history, never played it, didn't know anything about Chrono Cross at all. Because like I said, I thought it was a remake of Chrono Trigger. So yeah, zero. What about you? It was originally supposed to be a remake of, there's, there's obviously you, you mentioned the Radical Dreamers edition. Apparently the Radical Dreamers was a sequel to Chrono Trigger that was released only in Japan. And it was supposed to be a remake of that for the PlayStation. Um, but what it turned into was this sequel. Um, that's vastly different from the original game, but the original game also, interestingly, apparently is a, a crossover between Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Um, so Square's two tentpole um, RPG series. Um, so yeah, so it, it's it's quite an interesting one um, that we're going to be talking about today. Um, no history for me at all. I'd heard of the game. I didn't really know anything about the game, but I was quite excited to um, give it a go. I had previously bought it on the PS3 um, because you can buy it as part of the uh, PlayStation Classics on the PS3. Um, but I, like you, also played it on the Switch as part of the remaster. Um, opinions playing it on the Switch? Any feelings? Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, it it worked really well on the Switch. I think it looked good. I mean, you and me have both got the um, the OLED. So a lot of the, there's a lot of um, it's a very kind of like Caribbean esque uh, game like with the with with the starting point where Surge begins like his home home world hometown is very just beachy and the colours really popped on on the OLED. Um, I, I primarily well in fact I 
just played it handheld. I didn't play it on the screen much because I don't tend to plug my Switch in very much. But yeah, it's uh, it it looked good. I think for the, for the Switch, um, and a lot better than the footage that I saw of the original PS One. What 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 did you think of it? Yeah, I played it in a combination of um, handheld, and I played a bit on screen as well. But I was, um, as you know, I was away for a, a good couple of weeks before we recorded Tony Hawk's, and yeah, so a lot of my memories of this game are playing it in various atypical locations for me. So um, I was playing it on the ferry. Um, there and back on the way to Isle of Man. Um, so I was sitting in the premium lounge looking at the sea playing uh, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Um, so yeah, um, I'm always going to have that unique memory of playing this game. Um, yeah, so I like the, I like the version, but apparently it's it, it does have its performance issues. Uh, not not the best remaster, but then nothing we go. that I noticed um, really. Yeah, to be honest, nothing that I noticed. Um, I was I was I was getting a bit frustrated with the the speed of the gameplay. Yeah, it was quite. We had the same issue with uh, Final Fantasy IX. It in its default speed, it's very very slow. Yeah, and that that time three this, speed really helps. I had it on constantly for this, and I don't think I could bear it without that. And even with that on, some of the animations just seem epically, epically slow. Um, yeah. So not what we're used to. Okay, so no, do you want not. to uh, briefly go over the plot of this game, if you can? Yeah, I mean, you... Um, full disclosure, as always, as as is usually the case, you've completed this game. You, you try to complete as many of the games that we play on the list, don't you? Um, I got... Yeah. From, from what I told you as to where I got up to, you reckon I got up to about the halfway point. Um, so I, I didn't finish it. I don't even know how this game finishes. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a story about a young young boy, young man, seventeen year old um, kid called Serge, who's got blue hair. Uh, so you know he'd get on well with Link from A Link to the Past with his little pink hair. But he is um, he's like a normal kid who one day kind of stumbles into another world where he had died 10 years previously. And it's effectively a journey for Serge and the 44 other characters that you can pick up in this game, which is outrageous, to kind of work out why this has happened and really falling down a bit of a rabbit hole, which I think is somewhat linked to Chrono Trigger, as to his link with the antagonist of the game where they kind of meet and the, the the second half of the game it's got a lot of themes of you know acceptance and you know towards the well the part of the game that I got up to you know Surge is transformed into they call demi-humans yeah yeah he, he transformed into a demi demi human and no, no one from his previous life accepts him and it, it's a very strange game and i really struggle summing it up because there's so many elements to it and because i didn't finish it as well i find it even more difficult but it, it's effectively about um parallel universes and yeah exploring those and and why they they occur in this universe which is a, a very poor yeah. description well, of the story so let, let's let's build on that a bit um you you're right you've got the two worlds that you play in and there are home world and another world yeah it's also suggested that there are more worlds beyond that and i don't think i could do it justice um giving the plot wrinkles of this story because even though i completed it i still don't feel like i've really scratched the surface of this game there's a lot in there that I felt like I didn't uncover. Um, and I would like to go back to this game at some point because I do think there's a lot to delve into. So, basically, there are a lot of intricate stories with the characters, the 44, 45 characters, as you mentioned. Um, there are some small stories between those. And then there's the overarching story, which involves basically correcting what is uh something i don't know what you call it basically an error in the in the the flow of time and 
eventually you do, if you get the good ending, you do um, correct this error and actually all of the events of the game are undone and you start over on the beach um, with your childhood friend having just collected the Komodo dragon scales. Or, yeah, that's it, the dragon scales. Yeah, so you've just collected the dragon scales and, and you start there having corrected the time. Um, did you get the good ending? Because I think there are 11 endings. I did, yeah. Um, I, I did do a bit of uh, looking to see how to get it. Right. But I did get the good ending. So, um, yeah, it, it's a hard one. And I'm sure many fans of the game could do a much better job than, than we just did of summarising the plot. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper when we discuss more of the game. But in essentially that's what it is. But there are a number of wrinkles throughout that. And there's a lot of lore in this game. And we've talked about lore. We talked about lore Big in time. The, the Oblivion and the Skyrim episodes and how... Some of it can just go over your head sometimes, and I, d- I did feel at times that a lot of the law went over my head. Um, so I think repeat playthroughs of this game are kind of a must. But yes, that was a a poor <laughs> translation of what the plot is. But there we go. Um, so what do you do in this game? Well, it's, it's it's a JRPG, isn't it? It's um, it's a nineties JRPG, so it's effectively a turn based. Um, Combat. What would you call them? Turn-based battle system. Yeah, turn-based battle system. Um, very similar to the Final Fantasy games of, of that era. And it's it's a, it's a story-based game, which are my favourite kind of games. I'm always more drawn to the games with good stories over than the good gameplay. So it's effectively a journey for Serge and the people that you pick up. Uh, another big one being Kid, who is an irritating companion but yeah it's the 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 gameplay in this game is very not very different from final fantasy games but there's no particular like leveling up system in this is there it's it's all based on like a stamina bar where you've got you level up your field yeah um you, you get field levels and you do get periodically boost your stats as well but it's not the traditional leveling up that you might see in other jrpg no and with that like with with final fantasy games with you know other jrpgs there is an element of if you get stuck you can just kind of train and farm until you get overpowered for that area but there isn't that that aspect in this game but yeah it, it is I mean, you ask about the gameplay is similar to a final fantasy game you know you you progress through the story progress through the different parallel universes and yeah it, it's different from Final Fantasy games again though in terms of when you go into a, a battle you can see the, the the monster that you're going to be fighting ahead of time um, a bit like Zelda 2 you can yeah. see them on the uh, on the open world whereas with you know, Final Fantasy games, or with the with the Pokemon games, for example, you don't see them in the grass. It just comes up as something's hit you, and now you're you're fighting. You know. I'm glad you mentioned that actually, because I remember there was a period during the PS2 era where games started doing this more often, and games were celebrated for doing this more often because um, random random battles are sort of were sort of for a long time the bane of JRPGs. Yeah. But this game was doing it all the way back in 2000. Um, so that actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, yeah, you've got you've got your uh, your individual areas, and then, as usual with JRPGs, you've got this overworld map where you're kind of zoomed out, and your character's large and walking across it, and you can then sail and uh, walk around this map and enter other areas from very early on, actually. Whereas Final Fantasy games usually give you that option later on where it really opens up the world to you you get that quite early here so another interesting um, development choice i think so let's talk about the gameplay we kind of touched on it a bit but is chrono cross fun to play Uh, i'd like to say so but i i think i'm a little bit jaded by my relationship with the final fantasy series for this game because I would echo what you say in terms of 
the thing that really brings this game down is its speed. And I can't imagine playing this game without the, the speed booster on because it is just very slow. And that doesn't make it a bad game, but it does make it a struggle. And this game is fun in the same way that a Final Fantasy game is fun. There's the story, which is... The story's a story and it is what it is, but there's a lot of side content in this game that you can go looking for. And I didn't do a whole lot of it. I did bits and bobs. You probably did a little bit more than me because you finished the game. But if you, if you need a yes or no answer to the, if is this game fun, I'd say yeah, but there's a caveat to it, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, completely. And, and and again, it's the same caveat that we had with, with Final Fantasy IX. It was just a different time and... I don't know if they were that slow because of loading or something like that. I can't put my finger on why they were that slow. Or maybe it was just to pad out the game. But, yeah, we're used to something a lot quicker and smoother these days. So I'd agree with you there. It does, sometimes even with the speed toggle on, it's too slow for comfort. But I I do think the combat system is very good. And quite, I mean, I'm not going to say different because there are so many JRPGs and RPGs out there and they all tend to borrow from each other. But it is unique and basically you've got your normal attacks and they've got their percentage chance of hitting and you can can go for attack level three and it's less likely to hit but it will do more damage. Yeah. But also by, by landing those attacks you unlock element levels and then you can use your more powerful magic and add into the fold the the field and how that affects things and also that your characters have stamina. So if they use magic, it decreases their, their stamina so they might end up skipping a go because um, they've they used need too to much rest. magic. Yeah, or they've used too powerful magic. So... I was uncovering layers because I never... And I tend not to when I'm playing RPGs. I never looked at a, a sort of guide for the, the combat. So I was kind of uncovering layers as I went along and figuring it out on my own. And then at some point you'd face a boss and it'd be challenging and you'd be like, okay, now I see what the colours of the field do. And it wasn't until the final boss actually that I realised the extent of the combos that you can do if you balance your magic with your yeah. stamina with your attacks. Uh, it's it's a really surprisingly in-depth system that works nicely and quite elegant, really. Well, so, the, 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 the thing with um, this game that kind of sets it apart from other RPGs, and are, are you about to come on, what's your favourite move? Here? Will do, yeah, yeah. So... For me, the the combat is interesting because it's all stamina based, but there is a massive, massive crossover here with Final Fantasy VII. So in Final Fantasy VII, you have the materia system, which is effectively you can buy or you can find materia, which are little orbs that give your characters that you equip them to specific powers. And it's pretty much the same as is in Chrono Cross, but instead of it being called Materia, they're called Elements, and there are different colours. So, you know, red is fire, blue element is water, yellow is lightning, um, and black is, like, darkness or whatever. And I really like that element of it because there's a lot of stuff that you can do with the elements in this game, um, which anyone that's a long listener of this podcast knows that Final Fantasy VII is my favourite thing of all time. And... There's a bit of a crossover here, like I just said, which I really liked. Um, so it made the the combat system a bit more appealing to me because there was an element of my favourite game ever in there, and I I really like using the elements and um, you know equipping equipping them um, to, to to the right kind of levels and yeah, I I just thought that was quite a cool tier system. Um, with the, the grids, etc. So, um, what would be your favourite move if you were to give one? Um, I think. Or favourite elements, let's say. Not yeah, not element, in terms of. Element of the combat or element of the, the gameplay in general. 
I mean, my, my favourite element of the gameplay, uh, not element of magic, probably would be the combat because it is very different. It isn't based on, you know, um, MP or anything like that. It is just based on stamina, which is regenerative, um, which for, for JRPGs at the time, I didn't play all of them, but I played a few back in the, the late 90s, early noughties. And this one is a little bit different which I think helps it stand out. And I don't know if it's similar to Chrono Trigger, because like I said, I haven't played that game. Um, but yeah, I, I think the combat system in this game is, is quite cool and it's quite unique. What about you? What's your favourite thing? I think the combat system in, in uh, Chrono Trigger was uh, very much simplified compared to this. So this is a much more... Fair enough. I mean, Chrono Trigger was an SNES game, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, so I'm going to answer with answer with two things so what i think this game does well is that you've got all your unique characters and there's always the balance in jrpgs between giving you free reign to develop the characters the way that you want them to um, yeah you may recall that final fantasy 12 did that and you could develop them any way that you wanted to um or um having these uh set characters with their set moves and unique personalities and unique fighting styles which something like Final Fantasy X did. Um, this game strikes a nice balance between them actually because what you have is with each character they've all got um, a starting element that they which is their affinity um, so they might be a fire-based character or a water-based character and so on and as you unlock levels on the element grid they will unlock certain specific moves that are unique to them. But around that, you can fill up their element grid with whatever you want. So you've got the unique elements in there, but you've also got the freedom of the element grid to really um, customise them as you want to. Mm. So I think it's something that this game really gets right. Um, in terms of the actual on-the-ground move... I really like the way that when you when you attack and you've got your percentages chance of hitting, it it feels nice when you land a hit. There's something satisfying about um, the the rumbling of the switch or the switch controller, yeah. and also th that sound that you that you get when you connect. It's just this yeah very crunchy sort of sound. So yeah, that's very satisfying on a sort of visceral level, I'd say. Um, so that's that's probably my favourite move in the game. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk a bit more about the setting and the design of this game. So you touched on the setting a bit. So one of the things um, that that dawned on me when I was playing this game, when I obviously when you're when you first start playing, you're 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 locked on the opening largest island, and then when I realised there was all this sea around and there was there was these other islands beyond, I thought this is a pretty big world, and you can go to different areas um, before you need to go to them. You can do side content. You can yeah. then go to the alternate world and you can visit the same areas. And one of the very, very interesting things with this game is seeing how different um, the areas are in the different worlds, the different characters. So a good example is one of the main quests in the game where Kid um, is infected with something let's say i don't quite know what's wrong with her but either way she needs this thing to cure her she's got a headache and <laughs> yeah yeah she needs uh what's uh, oh it doesn't matter um, so yeah anyway you go back to the home world and you are in the hydra marshes and you're looking for the cure to her ailment and the marshes in the what was the other world called alternate World, um the other world another world yes yeah so in another world that the, the hydra marshes are dead and they're poisoned yep. and whereas in the home world they are alive the water is clear and the dwarves live there so you have to get this uh cure um from the hydra creature and in order to you've got a decision to make here so obviously you've got your two con contrasting areas in the two worlds. One which is living and thriving with dwarves living there that rely on the Hydra. The other one which is dead and toxic. And you need to get this um, this, this cure. 
So your decision is, do you take the cure, defeat the Hydra, and save Kid, or do you, and, and, and at the same time, you will basically wipe out the dwarves' ecosystem that they live in because they rely on this Hydra, and you're laying waste to the way that they live, or do you leave them be, but you let Kid die? Um, now, you, you, that's your decision to make, and it's quite a compelling decision to make, and I, I don't know what you did there. What did you do? Uh, I, I, I save Kid. I also save Kid, and yeah, it, it's you, you've put him in quite a powerful position, and it does make you think about the consequences of your actions, and later on, I, I didn't know this, but I was reading about the game, so later on the dwarves will move on to a different area, and they will lay waste to that area, and they will say that it's behaviour that they've learned from humans, and in the process of that, they will obviously hurt people, and um, again, you're seeing that the consequences of your actions played out in front of you, so it's, it's, it's very clever in that way. Um, whereas in another world, the marshes are toxic and they're just sitting there. So you've got completely different things in different in different worlds. And um, you might have, there's there's the blacksmith in um, one world that's very, very successful and um, he's, he's struggling in the other world. There's um, it's, it's very there's, much like um, Hyrule and Lowrule in um, A Link Between Worlds, Zelda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, it, yeah. it, it, it's the same landscape, but they're just very different environments. Funnily enough, this game reminds me in some ways of my favourite game, or, po- or quite possibly my favourite game, Majora's Mask. Um, is it because there's a place just... called Termina? <laughs> well, there, there is that, but there's also the time elements, and there's also yeah. the fact that it actually, despite all the colour um, in, in the actual visual representations... It's um, quite a bleak world and lots of stuff going on and there's a lot of tragedy in there. So yeah, I, I did get some, some vibes of Majora's Mask at times from this game. Yeah, I can um, see that. So another thing it does, it gives you these decisions and you've got, as you said, multiple endings. That, I mean, I don't think that was very common practice then. And... What you get is a very sort of open structure to this game and sometimes it's a bit alienating how open this game is because you can restart the game after having had maybe three or four days not playing and have no idea yeah. what you're doing. Um, but this open structure is in contrast to many, many JRPGs at the time which were much more linear. Um, so obviously your mileage may vary on that openness but I do think it was bold and certainly a path that other future RPGs would take in terms of the open-ended structure. And it's, it's definitely something to point out. Um, again, like I said, you may or may not like it, but it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, attribute to have for an RPG. It, it does feel like it's ahead of its time in that aspect, I think. Decision-making, multiple endings, um, characters that you may not even meet, let alone have them join your party... Um, characters that can die um, so there are characters that you can recruit and they can end up dying um, yeah lo- lots of stuff that you again wouldn't necessarily think about that that's optional and that you may never see which is why I said that I feel like, like I've completed the game by only just scratching the surface yeah exactly yeah yeah it's, it's an interesting one and, and again we're probably not doing it justice with this conversation but it I'd say it's a surprisingly deep game that probably would benefit from multiple playthroughs to fully understand definitely. what it's trying to do. Yeah, it definitely is that, I think. It's one of those games that you need to play and really give it another once or twice over just to yeah. get the most out of it. I would agree. Okay, so on to the audios and the visuals. So before I touch on the audio... Audios, I said. That was weird. <laughs> Okay, the visuals. So let's talk a bit more about the visuals. How would you describe the visuals? Are they pleasing to you? Yeah, um, definitely. Has it held up well? Well, I mean, in terms of ha- having it held up well, we played a remastered version, so it looks better than the, the original did. Um, and particularly on the OLED, it does look really look, does look really nice. The the one 
area because I mean in in general this game is it's a good looking game particularly for you know 90s JRPG on the PlayStation it looks good but the one one point that I wanted to raise that I thought was a really really cool looking area was when um I can't remember the the style but it's like the Picasso esque area oh yes yeah that was awesome I really liked that it I was um yeah, I can't remember. Is that was that the is that the temporal vortex? That's when you first transform into links, isn't it? Yeah, is it the temporal vortex? Maybe, maybe. I can't remember, but yeah, that was awesome. I really liked that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it is very much a case that this is this is a good looking game and it it has aged well. It's got. The, the the art style of it it kind of reminds me a little bit because it isn't the same as Final Fantasy 7, 8 or 9 or 10 it kind of has a look of uh, Kingdom Hearts about it do you know what I mean? yeah definitely the characters I'd say have, yeah. a, have a look of Kingdom Hearts about them um, big time but yeah I, th- I think this is a good looking game um, I think it's aged quite well what, what do you reckon? yeah so it also uses um, it uses what do they call them? Uh, pre-rendered backgrounds. So it yeah. uses pre-rendered backgrounds, but it doesn't use them in the same way, I'd say, as other JRPGs of the time. Because a lot of JRPGs, and I'm thinking of um, the Final Fantasy games of the era, kind of went for a, a more um, steampunk aesthetic almost. And here you've got, as you said, it's sort of a an island vibe. And not only that, the art style, I'd say, for the backdrops is almost watercolor-esque yes it's got these kind of uh painted backgrounds that can look really really nice and yeah specifically in that area um that you're talking about yeah this this to me strikes me as a game that was not afraid to do something different which i like i'd I'd be interested to know if final fantasy 10 got much influence from this game because the the whole area of um i can't remember the, the name of serge's hometown now but el, el, el nido isn't it um the, the whole vibe of the island and el, el nido it gives me real vibes of besaid from final fantasy 10 and particularly kid who comes from like a little group of thieves and she's this like fiery outspoken female reminds me very much of riku who was um yeah Oh, what are the uh, the Albed from Final Fantasy X? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of not well, not a lot of crossover, but there's definitely elements of this game that made me think. Oh, did Final Fantasy X pick something up from this game? Because there are like unarguable similarities. Parallels. Yeah, definitely yeah. parallels. There you go, parallel worlds. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few um, staff that worked on both. Yeah, games. definitely. And on to the audio now. So what do you think of the audio? Really good soundtrack, really good music, which, again, you come to expect from JRPGs, particularly of this time. Um, But yeah, I think the music was was really good. I really like the battle music. The the fanfare when you win a battle, not so much. But yeah, as as a whole, the music was good. Wasn't my favourite kind of JRPG music I've ever heard, but it's definitely got some memorable... Uh, pieces in there yeah uh, there's some um some really good sort of melancholy stuff in there like i love the theme um when you're walking around to the another world map it's just great yes there was a time where i just stopped and stood still because i wanted to hear the track through because you're often not wandering for long enough to hear it all but it's just a really great theme um when we when we get to the end of the list we'll have to do some sort of um awards episode where we go back through and we award for best music and best uh, art style and so on. I'm not saying that this is going to win, but I do think this is up there with with the best music that we've yeah. um, played in, in in on the list. Some some music has been terrible, <laughs> but this was definitely one of the better ones. Yeah, I'd agree. It's up there, definitely. Um, on to our question of the week. Now. Before the remaster was released, there was for years and years there were there were rumours of um, of a remake of Chrono Cross, and then we got the remaster. I don't know if that nullifies the idea of a, of a remake. I don't know if the uh, the remake will ever happen. But 
I thought it's quite an appropriate conversation to have at the moment because we've got some very famous remakes incoming, um, such as The Last of Us and also Resident Evil 4. So my question to you today is when does a game warrant having a remake or does it not need to warrant having a remake? I think this is quite a good question because at the moment it seems like a lot of games are getting remakes like Knights of the Old Republic's getting a remake and I'd argue does there really need to be one? I mean we we played it for the podcast uh, what was it? It was about December 2020 wasn't it? Um, yeah. or around that time that we played that it was winter 2020 and it was the first time I'd ever played it and yeah it's a bit clunkier than you know modern games these days but that's what you expect from a game that came out in like 2003 or whenever it was but that doesn't make it bad and the reason that a lot of games are getting remade these days primarily is financial you know Naughty Dog are just you know pooping out another version of The Last of Us Part 1, which, again, that game came out less than 10 years ago. And it's not a remake, it's a remaster. But then you do get games where there is a huge fan desire for that, like Final Fantasy VII Remake. There was a massive movement behind that for years before uh, Square announced it in, I think, 2015 or 2014. But even then... It's never going to be as good as you you hype it up to be in your head. And I mean, for I, me, what were you going to say? I was going to say, in terms of the Final Fantasy VII remake thing, I, I think fans in their head had the exact game that they loved as a child with yeah. better graphics mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe improved um, orchestration for the music and stuff like that. Um, obviously redone cutscenes and yeah but yeah I think oftentimes developers don't go that route for better no. or worse no they they didn't for, for Final Fantasy 7 Remake and I mean I, I tried to avoid the hype train with that game because you know like I say it's my favourite thing ever and I knew that if I just rode the hype train for that then I'd probably be disappointed and I wasn't disappointed as such but I, I'm very much meh about remake now um but it's it's like what mark hamill said when they first recast him as luke skywalker in the sequel trilogy if he said if, if you're going into the cinema hoping to relive your childhood and relive that wonder and you know you're going to see all your favorite characters again and it's going to be the same you're going to be really disappointed and same with with resi 4 I didn't really like that game. I really struggled to get through it. I did, and I managed, and I'm glad that I did. But does that game need a remake? Really? Oh uh, yeah. Well, as as a as a, I mean, you. So I I, we we talked about Resident Evil Four, um, when they announced the remake, and as you know, I'm a very big fan of Resident Evil Four. It's, I I would say. It's in my top twenty, maybe maybe even top ten games um, ever. So, as a very big fan of Resident Evil Four, that has completed it multiple times, um, I just what I think that the remake is going to lose is that really satisfying gameplay loop that Resident Evil Four has. That to me, along with the atmosphere, along with the quirky settings that's what makes the game it's just great to play um and and what you get when you change the engine of a game because this is often the problem with remakes they the engines that a game was originally made on people think it's just a matter of oh we'll just up res the uh, the graphics that are already there but that's that's a remaster and there's only so much you can do with a remaster but if you're rebuilding a game from scratch it's not going to feel the same to play again and 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 I and I do, I, I'm sure I will play the Resident Evil Four remake, but I'm certainly not going in there expecting to be blown away like I was with the original Resident Evil Four. Um, it's almost like you have to treat them as two separate things, and then at that point you wonder 
why they are using the same name to begin with. But you, you, th- you think about it, if you use Resi as an example, they pretty much remade Resi 2, didn't they? I mean, the, 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 yeah. the newer version of Resi 2, it's the same game. It's everything's the same, except they've just, you know, Re- Resi 2 it on the PS1. It is a rethinking. They have, they have changed elements of it. Um, they changed the, the event that... The, the way that certain things happen and I've, I've completed um, the, the remake of Resi 2 and 3 and 3 was less good than 2 I quite liked 2, 2 was good um, but yeah they, they, it is a bit of a rethinking it's not, it, it's certainly the same scenarios the same setup but um, I think yeah, not. I, I think to answer your question like what, what warrants a remake I think it all depends on the the, not not the following of the game as such, but the reputation that it's got. So for me, um, Metal Gear Solid doesn't need a remake. I'd like to see a remake of Metal Gear Solid 1. I think it would be good, but it doesn't need one. But then you think of other games that came out in 98, and I'd be like, no, it doesn't need a remake. I think it all depends on the, the gravitas that that game or that series has. Like, if they turn around now... Or like we're remaking Ocarina of Time. I probably wouldn't be that asked about playing it, but that comes from someone that isn't that asked about Zelda. But I'd be interested. So I think what would warrant a remake now, these days, and would you know what what would constitute a remake? I think just depends on the fan base behind it and how long ago it came out. Because if you're remaking a game from two thousand and three, like Kotor. I think there's an argument that that doesn't need to exist. But if you go back just a few years before that, then I, I didn't think there needed to be a remake of Final Fantasy VII. I'm glad there was, because I'm a big fan of, of that game. But I, I think it, there have to be very, very specific goals to be hit to warrant a remake. And I don't think many games or many series have that. So let's um, dig a bit deeper because uh, can you think of any good remakes that you you are actually happy with the outcome of the remake? I mean, let's take Final Fantasy VII out of the equation because I know that you were happy with that, but at the same time, you probably thought it could have been even more. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Would you call Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver remakes or were they remasters? Um difficult to say and, and and again this is another element of it what what constitutes yeah what constitutes it so like um the crash bandicoot and sane trilogy are they remakes are they remasters they are i would say remakes i'd say then that the the crash uh trilogy yeah great great remakes that is a really really solid trilogy of games same with spyro um yeah. they were they were brilliant uh, i'm trying to think of other remakes? big remakes of, of game series off the top of my, have you got any that you can think of um so i'm thinking uh off the top of my head of the shadow of the colossus remake which was very faithful to the original game but did the thing where they upgraded the graphics and it was a different engine but they they, they made it to replicate the original engine and um it was a smart remake because when you first see it you think oh that's how Shadow of the Colossus looked um, but then you look at the old game versus the new one and you think, yeah. see oh no like, it's whoa. not how it looked actually yeah yeah and but but what they what they nailed I think uh, for the most part maybe not perfectly was the art style they got the art style right therefore um, that's how it had the look of the old game and uh, yeah I think that's um, uh, a positive example that I mean, it's hard to say whether it was done for the money. Um, it probably was. But sometimes yeah. I think these games benefit from being a remake just because it expands the audience. Um, how about the uh, how about the, the Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 remakes? Yeah, again, brilliant. I think the thing for me with a remake is, and it, it's a classic case of anyone that's in, not even just gaming, but into you know, pop, pop culture... Is and my advice to anyone is always don't ride hype trains because you're going to be disappointed. If I rode the hype train for um, Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, 
I probably would have been disappointed by it. But because I went in, like I watched a few trailers, the same as I do with everything. I watch, you know, trailers for it. And when the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series um, was teased, I watched the trailers for that. But that was it. I, I stopped there because I was like, if I carry on, I'm going to up my my expectations too much. And all of the reviews that I'm now seeing of Kenobi, um, I, I can't imagine you've been watching it, have you? Because you're not a huge no. Star Wars person. I, but, might, I might watch it eventually, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Kenobi... I think it's a brilliant TV show. I'm really enjoying it. And I think the characters are great. I think what they're doing with it is great. And what they're doing with the characters' arcs are really good. And it's what I expect. But, I mean, I've said this about the Star Wars community in the past. The Star Wars community can be very toxic. And they can be very hard to please. You're never going to please Star Wars fans. Because it just doesn't happen. And the amount of them that are just moaning and saying, oh, it shouldn't have been like, oh, it should be like this. And it's just impossible because they have expectations in their own head of what it should be rather than what we've been given. And everyone has their expectations of how things should be. That's, you know, that's fine. I think the prequels should have been something a little bit different. But the thing that I say is just enjoy it. Just don't think about things too deeply and I know I realize that's a bit of a tangent from what makes a good remake and what will constitute a good one but it's really hard to say it's a really difficult question to answer and I don't know if I have the answer do you think that Conocross would benefit from a remake yeah I'd play it and particularly Chrono Trigger I'd love a remake of that too um but Again, Chrono Cross, I think, would be a bit easier to remake because it's of what it is. But I think if, if you're going to do Trigger, it'd be more difficult because that's a sprite-based RPG game. So how do you yeah. do that? How do you go about that? That's why you can't remake Final Fantasy VI. Um, yeah. But no, I'd be interested in a Chrono Cross remake um, from the ground up. As long as they sped it up a little bit and made it a bit more accessible because it is slow. It is janky. I think is the word I'd use. Yeah. I think as long as they retained the quirkiness and the intricacies that kind of make it unique, I would be all for it. And maybe if they added um, some sort of objectives tracking system to the menu, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Get a, get a bomber's notebook so, in there like uh, Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to close out the, the question, um, I've been I've been watching rewatching the Bond films. Um, as you know, I'm a, a huge fan of the Bond films, and I've been reading um, uh, some reviews by this guy to accompany watching them. So I'll watch the film, read the review, and I do tend to do this when I'm watching Bond. I'll, I'll go to different people for different reviews, and um, I, one of one of one of his quotes really struck me, which was um, that with the, the Daniel Craig era. Um, Bond has found commercial and with some of the films critical um, acclaim but they trade it all to go back to the year 1962 and to have Connery playing the role again not because of Connery but because what they had then was it was fresh it was new and it was exciting and it was something not done before and it kind of reminded me of what you said when you said you're never going to recreate that moment. You can't recreate a moment. Um, you've only got your memories of it. And in in a way, you might spoil your memories of it um, by trying to recreate that moment. So, yeah, I, I just it reminded me of that when you said about that. So I thought I'd just mention it. Um, OK, so time for our uh, wrap up. Um, so Chrono Cross was number 56 on our Metacritic list with a score of 94. Um, does it deserve to be on the Metacritic Top 100 list? I think so. And that's me being objective rather than subjective. Because as much as I thought this was a a cool game, it didn't really vibe with me too much. And I'm not sure if that's because I've been ruined by other JRPGs of that that era. Um, Or maybe I was expecting something else entirely. I don't know. But... I'd say it deserves its place in the list for what it is. I'd say maybe a little bit lower, maybe in the 60s, 70s perhaps. But 
that's coming from someone that didn't complete it and isn't enveloped in the, the world around it and the law. But yeah, as a whole, I'd say it probably does deserve to be on the list. What do you think? I would agree. I think... I mean, how many JRPGs have we played as part of this? I think, is it just Final Fantasy IX and this? And uh, Persona 5 Royal. Of course, yeah. Persona, yeah. So, yeah, we've got the three of them. What Obviously, two classic JRPGs and one very modern um, JRPG. And I think of the three... The one I least enjoyed, and I think I said it at the time, was Final Fantasy IX. Again, I think probably like you, that game just didn't click with me for for whatever reason. Mm. And um, and this game clicked with me more. I wouldn't say it clicked with me completely. I, I clicked. I'd say that Persona of the three was the one that I vibed with the most. Um, but yeah, I I think this offers. They were, for years and years and years, they were saying about JRPGs, oh, they need to change the formula. Um, JRPGs are, are, are stuck in a rut, basically. And um, then some JRPGs started coming out and uh, changing the formula and, as I say, got rid of the random battles and started opening up the worlds a bit. But if you look back to the year 2000, this game was already doing it. And it may not have been perfect, but it does feel... Um, quite contemporary for when it was released and they're kind of um, a lot of the lessons that developers seem to be relearning in the year 2022 so it's quite impressive really um, so so for that reason I think it deserves to be there I like it and I will replay it um, I, I probably wouldn't rush to replay it but I will replay it I didn't love it um, but I, I think I could probably grow to love it if if um, if those repeated playthroughs went well. Um, so yeah, I think it deserves to be there. I think there are probably a number of other JRPGs that deserve to be on this list as well. Um, and I know that you've got one which you're very fond of that will be making its way uh, into our um, podcast through your recommended games for the list. And I've also got a JRPG at least one that will also be um, making an appearance. So uh, maybe that will broaden our conversation on JRPGs. I think so. Um, That brings us to the end of another episode. Um, What have we got coming up? Uh, Next week we're doing uh, quite a big game. We are looking at Metroid Prime for the GameCube. So pretty big series that we've not touched on yet on the list because this, to be fair, this is the only... uh, the, the, the only uh, entry from that series on the list but yeah we're, we're going to be looking at Metroid Prime so it should be quite a good episode because um, you know it's quite a big game so join us for that please do in the meantime if you want to reach out to us we're on social media Long Short of It Podcast you can email us at longshortofitpodcast at hotmail.com and yeah if you enjoy us if you like what we've got to say if you like any of the games that we're talking about feel free to share uh, rate, subscribe, follow send us love letters in the post it's all very much appreciated but um yeah that's pretty much it from us today anything else from you no that's it from me super duper well we will see you next time for metroid prime and in the meantime take care cheerio see you on the next one